takes over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marshall still fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marshall. Four to two Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Really excited about today's show. Can't wait to get into it. Uh, two hours of hockey talk, uh, both around the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, what's happening in the West Division, and in the other three divisions in the National Hockey League as we play this Champions League format for 2021. Darren Millard here in my Summerlin estate, uh, getting ready for this one along with Chris Chapman, uh, hosting things and pressing the right buttons over at the Fox Sports Las Vegas studio. Ryan Wallace, you will miss him today. You will not have him to uh, uh, be your expert and your calming influence because he is on assignment. So it's uh, it's just me, but we have David Sheen from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. We have Adrian Dater from Colorado Hockey Now. We'll get both the Vegas side and the Avalanche uh, perspective from this uh, two-game series that will conclude tomorrow afternoon. And then we will chat with Eric Erlinson from uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning perspective, and he will update us on what they are going through right now as the defending champions. So haven't uh, chatted with him in a little bit as we get into things on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, uh, the Finley Chevrolet Studios, uh, Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Tried to surprise you there. Uh, just uh, slipped that in uh, under the gun. Uh, I, well, want I was you prepared. To give, uh, I want you to give David Shane a call in about four minutes, if that's okay. Okay. And uh, just uh, check in with him. He is on the road with the Golden Knights, and he was in Denver last night at Ball Arena to take in that 5-1 loss against the rival Avalanche. And what I want to do in the opening couple of minutes here is just bring everybody up to the table. There's a big feast and it's like Blue Bloods. At the end of Blue Bloods, Tom Selleck's uh, show. I like and that show. Lot, yeah, I love that show, too. Uh, there's lots of food. There's lots of conversation. We're all friends here, and we're going to pass the plates around. And uh, I want your plate, and I'm going to put uh, some peas on there. Even if you don't like peas, you're getting peas, because peas today are going to represent uh, why uh, it's okay to be disappointed in last night. And then I'm going to throw some turkey on uh, with some gravy. And even if you don't like turkey, I'm going to give it to you. A good helping of turkey anyway because turkey will represent uh, just the, a, a reason and an angle to be optimistic and uh, why you shouldn't put too much stock into the result last night and we're just gonna we're gonna offer perspective and angles and opinion on what happened last night in that 5-1 loss should you be ticked off mm, the player should be players should be disappointed coaches certainly disappointed you go into a game with the opportunity to leave if you sweep and a lot of stuff has to go right if you sweep the two game series but if you do sweep that two game series you're six points up with a game in hand on your rival with less than half the season to go so they're a real big opportunity there uh you don't sweep you lose a game mm, that's going to happen sometimes but the way they lost last night the way the vegas golden knights played after securing an early advantage of 40 seconds into the game, was probably difficult to swallow, more more so than the actual loss itself. You allow four goals in the second period 
by taking three penalties and putting yourself on your heels, and you never really gave yourself a chance to be in that game. How you might come back with, well, they've come back in games. Yeah, they have. But not against the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Colorado Avalanche gave up a two-goal lead the last game out against the Arizona Coyotes. That wasn't happening again. No way. That was bad timing for the Golden Knights, uh, for Arizona to be able to rally and win that uh, that game earlier this week against the Avalanche because it just uh, uh, put them more uh, on, on point. So the three penalties, what they did to take themselves out of the game in the second period was disappointing. A reach-in, a too-many men on the ice, and a hold. Three penalties in the first 10 minutes of the second period, and then you're out of sync. Colorado got some offense. They got a goal. They got an opportunity to get into the flow. Uh, a lot of your key players for Vegas were out of sync, and it just wasn't able to be recovered. Ten shots through two periods gives you an idea of where the Golden Knights were through those first 40 minutes. That ties a franchise record low in two periods of hockey and gives you a real indication of where the Golden Knights were. And one of those shots came 40 seconds in and went in. Uh, But it gives you an idea of where the Golden Knights were in their game and their execution. They were coming off two days off for the first time in a while and also two days off for the last time this season. There was no reason not to be on top of their game last night. Is it a one-off? Probably. Should you be concerned? Not entirely. But disappointed? Oh, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with being disappointed. There's absolutely nothing to be ashamed of when you say, that didn't go right. That wasn't what we expected at all. In a game that was so anticipated against the the Colorado Avalanche. So we're not we're not going to turn the page just yet. At some point during this 2-hour program that focuses on the Vegas Golden Knights, we will. But not just yet. Here's David Chain, uh beat writer for the Vegas Golden Knights uh working for the Las Vegas Review Journal. He's in Denver. He's covering this one for the the Golden uh for the Review Journal and following the Golden Knights. Uh, David, what was what was your primary takeaway after the 5-1 loss last night? It reminded me a lot of the bubble. And first off, thanks for having me on. Good to chat with you again. Um, And I'm actually kind of putting together a story about this. You know, it goes back to sort of the criticism that when the rush chances were taken away and the Golden Knights are forced to generate five-on-five in-zone offense, that they struggled. That was sort of their demise, I guess you could say, against Dallas and, and not being able to you know, find other avenues of offense. Last night, Colorado does a really good job kind of cutting everything off in the neutral zone and not really letting anything get started. And the Golden Knights weren't able to get pucks in deep and cycle the puck and do all the things that they have to do against Colorado. And I think it's sort of a different game plan that they have to go with that's successful against Colorado that maybe, you know, is not the same sort of game plan against other teams. And so it's an adjustment. And I think last night in a lot of ways, maybe it was a lesson that, you know, these are the things that they can and can't do. 
And these are maybe the adjustments they're going to have to make going forward if they see them, especially, you know, in the postseason. Is that because Colorado's blue line in particular is so mobile and can get up ice without the danger of being burned in transition? Yeah, absolutely. And Riley Smith said that today. Mark Smith, or Mark Smith, Mark Stone talked about that uh, last night after the game that, that those defensemen back there are extremely mobile. And if you turn the puck over, especially in the neutral zone, you know, around the blue line, they're going to transition. They do it better than anybody. But the one thing that, that Mark Stone said, and I found this kind of interesting because I thought it was a little bit of a dig at them, actually, was that if you get pucks in deep, that they don't necessarily don't like to go back and get it. So I think, you know, if that's something that the Golden Knights can try to do on Saturday is, you know, chip and chase and get after them on the forecheck and punish them, be physical with those defensemen. I guess it goes back to that, that old argument about, you know, you can't hit them if you can't catch them. But, you know, I think that's where, where the Golden Knights need to, you know, make the adjustment. I think that's where they were successful. If we go back and look in, at the game here in February after Lake Tahoe, when the Knights won 3 nothing, I think that was something that they were able to do. And I think that's closer to the blueprint that they need to follow and, and not so much of the, the back and forth that they got into, uh, especially early on in that first period last night. Even though it was really fun to watch, i got to say. Yeah, you're right about that. The Review Journal's beat writer for the Vegas Golden Knights is David Cheney's with us. I know exactly what Mark Stone's talking about. That That's not a big, burly group on the Colorado back end. So if you can get some pressure on them and put some heat on them physically, it's it's hard to catch up to them. Yeah, I lost you there for a second, but, you know, the thought that goes through my mind is, you know, like Gerard, as good as he is, you know, he's a smaller defenseman. He's more of that, you know, kind of 2021 prototype, you know, the, the guys that used to be undersized that now you see a lot of. Um, Kale McCarr is not a real big guy either, but, you know, that's, I guess, maybe the pay or, or the trade-off if you're the avalanche, you know, you're going for that quickness and that mobility. And if you play a big, heavy team, which the Knights can be, they have some guys, especially up front, Stone, Pacioretty, you know, that the fourth line, the meat grinders, that if they get in on that forecheck can be physical and, and wear a team down. It'll be interesting in a series, you know, a seven-game, six-game type of deal, you know, how that plays out if these teams meet down the road. And, and what sort of style the Golden Knights are able to impose, whether the physicality, if they're able to do that, is is something that wears down Colorado. Maybe that, that we saw the, a little bit of attrition on their end last year. Certainly, you know, the goaltending, I think, in the bubble ultimately probably cost Colorado. But I, I think that's how you have to play against them. It's probably easier said than done, though, as well. Yeah, and many people have tried. And the other part is... You were watching Colorado at the top of its game, and that's a great reminder to everybody how dangerous this team can be. They just blitzed the Minnesota Wild, and they won 5-1 over the Golden Knights, thought to be their top competition uh, in the West Division. Were you uh, impressed? Were you uh, taken aback uh, by the reaction from Mark Stone, from Pacioretty? Because they did, and Coach Pete DeBoer, it was one game, it was one game that they sounded pissed off. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, you know, it's, it's funny because 
you know, as well as they've played, it's kind of like, yeah. okay, you, you, you sort of want to give them a pass. It happens. You know, you have a bad night here and there. But th- there was definitely something different about their tone and some of the some of the things that they said. Uh, it sounded like a little, con- not concern, but that there were definitely some things that they needed to go back. You know, you know, one of the questions that was asked to them was, you know, do you just kind of flush away a 5-1 game or do you go back and look at it? And Mark Stone was kind of like, no, you, you want to go back, to this, especially this one, and, and see what happened, what adjustments need to be made, and things like that. I, I found that interesting, and I think maybe there's a little bit of acknowledgement on everybody's part, and going into the series, certainly Jonathan March so said it, that you know, these teams are probably going to have to go through one another if they're going to reach you know, their Stanley Cup aspirations. So as they sort of duke it out here, you know, and go eight rounds in, in the regular season and get a feel for each other, these are all the things that they're, they're sort of putting away, you know, writing down in the notebook, either mentally or actually doing it, and, and saying, okay, these, these things work, and these things probably don't. And once we get to that point, we're going to have to, you know, <laughs> delve into those resources and figure out, you know, the solution to the, the Rubik's Cube that, that the Avalanche are presenting right now. Love being able to uh, bounce things off uh, another reporter who's watched the same game that I have and see if uh, if I'm on the same page as as them, or maybe uh, I'm missing something. And that's what we'll do right now on live radio with David Shane from the Review Journal, uh, looking back at the five-one loss by the Golden Knights and uh, also ahead to tomorrow's noon start on AT&T Sportsnet and the VGK Radio Network on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Uh, the the idea of where it went sideways last night in listening to Mark Stone's post game, it wasn't about the goals against that I listened and, and heard the frustration. He mentioned over and over again those three penalties in the front half of the second period. Yeah. And it wasn't just the penalties, but wow, uh, it was like what kind of penalties they were. Yeah, and and it was the rhythm that it took them out of because they're killing penalties, and and that's a select handful of guys that are out there on the ice, and you're not rolling through the lines five on five like he mentioned. You're not getting, you know, the five on five ice time, and it just it it knocks everything out of whack because the lines that follow a PK are not necessarily the same ones that the PK guys you know, or on the bench getting a rest. So you get like, you know, Pacioretty mixed with like March or so and, and some other, you know, sometimes like a random center or something like that, you know, guys that aren't killing penalties. And then you get another penalty and then you got to go kind of through that whole cycle again. So the fourth line sitting at the end of the bench and they're getting cold. And it, it just, it, like Mark Stone said, it, it just took them all out of whack and juggling the lines and sitting around and, and yeah, it's funny because they did a good job killing the penalties, and and the only power play goal that they gave up was Jonas Donskoy kind of hitting like the short hopper, yeah. um, or like the soccer term I think is the half volley, um, you know, where he swatted at it, sort of almost a lucky goal that that Mark Stone phrased it. So they were able to kill it off, but it just it it's what it was almost the residual effect of it, and you know how it impacted everything going forward in that period. What do you think the adjustment is for the Golden Knights? Tactically, uh, tactically, uh, or is it uh, going to be effort? Both, I think. Uh, Riley Smith talked about that today, that you know, certainly one of the things that they learned was they can't get outworked, and they felt like, especially in the second period, 
that was a lot of what happened. Yeah. And I think, you know, as much as the penalties and all that, too, you know, credit to Colorado. I, I do think there was, you know, just loose pucks and, and you know, forecheck and effort and all those sorts of things that were maybe lacking a little bit from the Golden Knights. They got off to such a good start, and they had so much jump on their legs. And to see it kind of turn 180 almost in that regard was a little bit surprising. So I think, you know, effort and attitude, I think, needs to get turned up a notch. But I do think the game plan and, and how they approach, you know, attacking the Avalanche and, and what's the best way to win a game against them, I think that has to change a little bit too. I think they got into a little bit of a back and forth in the first period. I don't think it's the best way to play them. I, you know, if, if I'm Pete DeBoer, I'm going back and I'm looking at February 22nd. I'm looking at the blueprint from that three nothing win, and I'm I'm doing everything I can to replicate that. Obviously, Mark Andre Fleury played very well in that game, and you need good goaltending and all those sorts of things with it. But I think it's a matter of you know simplifying, getting pucks in, trying to cycle down low, you know, creating in zone offense because. Trying to get into back and forth, getting three on twos, two on ones, I think just opens you up on the back end, and and the Avalanche are too dangerous going the other way. Uh, I'm not sure if you've got a couple more minutes with us or not, but please tell me if you don't, and uh, and we will uh, respect your time. Uh, I do, I do. Okay. I'm still getting over my Wisconsin Badgers uh, <laughs> falling on their face against Zach Whitecloud's uh, Bemidji State Beavers. So, you know, I, I can. I can get away from uh, from all that for a minute and chat hockey, no problem. Bemidji State is uh, is a sleeper. I, I've always loved that school uh, in, in following the tournament and, and the hockey side of things. It's just got that that really homey feel to it. The Bemidji State Beavers, and and obviously yeah. where they're from is closer to my. Home and they now. they kind of they're kind of the underdog in Minnesota. Yeah. You know, if, if anybody around Minnesota, it's you know school. You know, the U and the Twin Cities are like Minnesota Duluth. The last few years has been really good winning national titles, and Bemidji's kind of like the little brother up yeah. there. So, yeah, they beat my team. That's okay. But, you know, it's, it's nice to see the little guy win. That's what makes the tournament fun. You know they remind me of is like Gonzaga before Gonzaga became the Bulldogs yeah. became, like, super huge. But they were always that. How do we even say that name? Uh, is it Gonzaga? Gonzaga? Uh, and then now, now everybody uh, knows about the, the Bulldogs and their, their powerhouse. Uh, David Shane's with us on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, uh, chatting with Darren Millard. He is the beat writer for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Uh, when, when you talk about getting back to February 22nd, it brings up an interesting option for Pete DeBoer. Remember, that was the game... Uh, and I'm telling the audience this because uh, I'm not uh, uh, insinuating that you don't remember, uh, David. Uh, coming off the Tahoe game, they went into that Monday in in Denver and they changed up the lines. And that kind of caught the players by surprise, too. One of those changes was moving Alex Tuck up with Chandler Stevenson and, and Mark Stone. Would you consider going back to something like that alignment for tomorrow just to see if maybe it wasn't a one-off and that you might have you might end up with an alignment for the Colorado Avalanche, then an alignment uh, for the rest of the league. Yeah, I would definitely consider it. The hard part for me is like when you throw it into the blender is kind of, you know, what do you come up with? And and yeah. I'm a big proponent of keeping that Carlson, Marcheseau, and uh, Smith line together. I think especially against McKinnon. They do a really good job when, when they're out there. But one interesting thing, especially against Colorado, is to have Alex Tuck up in that top six and have his speed right. be able to match McKinnon. 
and, you know, chase him around a little bit, hound him if he has to, you know, really bother him on the back check in the neutral zone and, and try to choke off some plays before they get started. I think it's such an interesting option. The hard part for me, and, you know, I go back a few, a couple of weeks ago, Ryan asked me on the insider show, you know, how would I fix the, the bottom six? I kind of threw up my hands and was like, well, I don't really know. I think he kind of got a roll with it. And that was the game that he, he flipped uh, Nosek, and he put Nosek up on the third line, and all of a sudden, bing, bang, boom, you know, they look great. And I'm kind of going, well, shows what I know. <laughs> so, yeah, like I'm sitting here going, well, I, I think this and I think that, but it's also hard for me if I, if I put the names on the board because you're going, well, you break up this and you break up that. I don't know if you want to do it. But I think you look long and hard, and, and I think more than anything is Alex Tuck's just earned it. And he's deserved it. And right now, I think maybe one of the things I saw last game was that I felt like he was trying to do too much. But I also think that that means that there's some guys on his line that need to, you know, maybe pick it up and, and carry their weight a little bit more. I think he he needs to, to get a little bit of help on that third line. They need some, some depth scoring again. That was a problem last night. Colorado's bottom sixth or third and fourth line was out on the ice for four of Colorado's five goals. So if, if we get down the line here, you know, again, that's another issue that the Golden Knights are going to have to, to face is Colorado's depth up front. Springboard off that, uh, great point. The The depth of the avalanche was superb last night, and Nathan McKinnon didn't have a point. So is that a good thing for Vegas, or is that a bad thing for Vegas, that they were able to shut down Nathan McKinnon but still ended up being out of the game after two? Yeah, I mean, maybe a bad thing. I mean, because if you're if you're focused on, you know, your your primary goal going into the game and you accomplish it, which is slow down McKinnon, and yet it doesn't do you any good, you know, some guys on the bottom end have to do a better job. You know, whether that's forwards, whether that's you know defensemen, and and all those sorts of things. I mean, I think if I remember right, I'm, I'm going to look at this real quick here. If I can kind of, yeah, kind of stall and, and and pull this up. I mean, Chase Theodore last night was a minus three. Uh, Riley Smith, a minus two, you know, I, you know, we can argue about plus minus and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Some of that circumstance. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But again, I I do think it it tells a little bit of a story. And so, so, you know, depending on the matchups and who's out there, you know, Colorado presents some, some problems. And and I think that's, that's one of their strengths, you know, Pierre Edward Baltimore on the, on the fourth line, we know how good he is here and, and some of the other guys, you know, Don Scoy on that third line, I thought he did a really good job last night. And, you know, he, he's a problem for the Golden Knights going forward. Don Scoy's been awesome lately. Uh, he's really found his groove. Uh, do you make some lineup changes? Uh, we know that uh, the Vegas has kind of committed to putting some people in and out of the lineup just to remain fresh. But because they had the two days off, I wasn't sure we'd see that this week. Uh, but coming off the result, would, do you consider making a couple of switches around? Yeah, I think the one based on the, the practice that we saw today, and they didn't run like true line rushes. It almost looked more like a morning skate. More kind of mentioned that because it's an afternoon game tomorrow. Yeah. So we didn't we didn't see you know like what we would say is like true line rushes, but it looks like Dylan Coughlin is going to go back into the lineup, probably skating alongside Braden McNabb, and then he was getting some time on the second power play unit. So if that carries over. I think that's one change that we'll see. You know, maybe at this point, I, I would maybe consider Cody Glass, you know, if you feel like maybe he can give you a jolt of offense. But again, you know, maybe there's some questions, you know, in terms of, 
facing that that avalanche depth and, and is he ready is his game you know at the point right now and his confidence level at the point right now where you feel like you can plug him into the lineup and and he can be a difference maker I don't know it looked like based on who was out there working extra that we won't see any changes up front it was Patrick Brown and Cody Glass and Nick Holden that were after practice looked like would probably be the scratches. So as much as I, I think, you know, Pete DeBoer and his staff will consider it up front, I, I don't think that there'll be any personnel changes. Maybe some line changes though, like you brought up. That would, that yeah. would be an interesting uh, curveball to uh, present Colorado. Uh, I'm really curious to see whether or not they go back to the February 22nd uh, configuration as opposed to the normal look that we get. Uh, before we let you go, what's what's Denver like? What was the what was the experience like last night? Uh, it's another arena that you're going to during this pandemic as we get uh, opening up. Yeah, well, Denver is gorgeous. It's a great city. I always love visiting here. Uh, you know, but going to the game obviously weren't there weren't fans in the arena. So again, it's it's a little bit of that experience that was similar to Anaheim, where you kind of had to manufacture some energy. I think on the bench, you know, it had you know the artificial noise, kind of that murmur going. But yeah, it's it's always fun to hear the bench and to hear you know the referees. I think at one point there was a stick on the ice, and the Golden Knights moved it, and you can hear the Avalanche bench hollering for a penalty. And I don't know if it was Kelly Sutherland or, or which referee it was, but you know he was all the way on the other side of of the rink from me and you can hear him, you know, kind of hollering at the avalanche, you know, no, no, he did this or he did that, or it's fine. Or, you know, whatever. So, you know, to be, to be kind of right in the action is kind of cool. But, you know, again, I think I haven't seen when the avalanche are bringing fans back. It would have been very interesting. The pregame ceremony with, uh, you know, the boulder strong jerseys that they wore in the warmups and then the moment of silence that they had before the game, you know, I, I think unfortunately, you know, there, there weren't fans in there. I, I would have loved to have seen the emotion. You know, it's unfortunate that an event, you know, occurs like that always. We never want to see anything like that. Um, but I almost feel in a way that the fans maybe could have been there to, to share, you know, with the team and to be able to, you know, kind of emote you know, get some emotions out and, and heal and all those sorts of things. So it was definitely a, a, a little bit different feel um, with that sort of backdrop and without fans there. But, but you know, hopefully everything's going forward here. And, and it looks like I did see that they were putting some stickers on the seats here for, for this seat being in use. So it sounds like down the road they're going to have some fans here. So, you know, maybe come playoff time. I don't know. We, we might have some crowds here. That would be interesting as well. Hey, do you think it's an adjustment for Vegas when they go on the road to one of these places that don't, don't have I do. fans? And, and yeah, sorry to, sorry to cut it? you off. No, no, I I, I think I love that when when you jump in like that uh, because <laughs> because it's it's sort of affirmation of of how strongly you feel uh, about that because they're they're they've talked about the atmosphere at T-Mobile and how uh, beneficial it is, and then you go back to the old way. Yeah, and I don't know that they would necessarily say this about the the away rings. You know, I don't think they're going to single out anybody. But I, I there is a noticeable difference when, for me to walk into an arena like T-Mobile, to have been in the arena in Arizona, even though you know it was like twenty five hundred fans somewhere right around there, but just to feel a little bit of energy, to feel you know when the goal goes in, 
in an empty arena, you hear the puck like hit that pad, yes. you know, kind of on the bottom, and then you hear the the, the you know the guys on the ice, and then there's almost like the second delay of like, oh yeah, there's a goal, yeah, because you don't have the reaction, and it's so different when you know even 2,500, 3,500, like we've seen at T-Mobile. So I think if you're on the bench and you have to try to generate that energy, and you feed off the crowd and you kind of feed off the noise, and you're a player that that sort of needs that outside influence in that way, because I know I was. I needed something to get me going. I, I'm still that way. So I walk into the arena, and I feel a little bit of, you know, lull, I guess you could say, versus, you know, when you walk into T-Mobile and there's a little little more pep. So if I feel it, I, I can only imagine players feel it as well. Uh, David Shane from the Las Vegas Review Journal, beat writer on the uh, Vegas Golden Knights uh, side of things. Uh, you've been so gracious with your time and uh, really appreciate it. Thanks for sharing your insights and uh, what you experienced last night and uh, some of your reporting uh, angles. And we look forward to reading it tomorrow. Always fun. Thanks for having me on, Darren. Appreciate it. Be well, pal. Uh, David Shane uh, from the Review Journal uh, chatting with us. When we continue, we'll get the Colorado angle with uh, – Adrian Dater get an idea of where the Avalanche are in their confidence as they pull into a tie with the Vegas Golden Knights. But up next, what's it like to be a Stanley Cup champion during the course of this truncated season? And where are the Tampa Bay Lightning? We'll step outside the West Division bubble a little bit, get the Tampa Bay angle, and there's been a trade in the National Hockey League of a high-profile veteran player. All that and more on the VGK Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. BGK Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Darren Millard with you today as Ryan Wallace enjoys uh, a day away from the microphone on assignment. Chris Chapman also with us in the Fox Sports Las Vegas studio. Check out the Tampa Bay Lightning now. We'll get back to the uh, VGK series against Colorado Avalanche at the top of hour number two. But haven't had an opportunity to dissect uh, what's happening in a couple of the other divisions, more specifically the Central, where the Tampa Bay Lightning are enjoying another spectacular season. Eric Erlinson joins us. Uh, he is uh, all over what happens with the Tampa Bay Lightning, including uh, how many books uh, you got the book out. Have you, have you, yep. what other publications do you have going? Uh, well, it's just the one book. It's off of uh, the championship season, uh, but I got the website, lightninginsider.com. It's uh, been around for uh, going on five years now. That long, eh? Yeah, that's, that's how long the, uh, the paper here has been out. It actually, the five year anniversary, of the paper going out of business will come up in uh, on May 3rd, actually next month. Wow. And so give us an idea. And, and, and that was a, a real change in, in how the media worked in, in Tampa Bay. Uh, give me an idea of, of, of economics led to that uh, and, and where you found your niche in all of that. Uh, well, uh, we were actually bought by our competitor and immediately put out of business on the spot. Um, actually, something that happened while I was in New York for getting ready to cover game four or game three of a second round series between Tampa Bay and the New York Islanders, when I found out that uh, I didn't have a job anymore. Um, so that's kind of how that happened. It's, it's, it's turned into a one-paper town down here and uh, kind of mold around some things about what I wanted to potentially do. And certainly I love being around the rink and love being around uh, the game and covering the game. So 
uh, started my own website down here and uh, done some radio work down here. And uh, here I am almost five years later still doing what I enjoy. Yeah, I'm really, uh, really proud of what you've uh, been able to accomplish and put together because it's uh, we need you around the game. Eric underscore Erlinson, uh, Lightning Insider on Twitter, is uh, where to find him and follow him. So the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I can't imagine what it would have been like for you uh, to not have been following and tracking and covering this team when it won a championship again uh, last year in the bubble. So now you get to follow it up, and you're in the rink, you're around the team, but we're still uh, a little bit distant. Uh, where is a 50-point season uh, after 33 games? Games on your evaluation? Well, when you consider, um, you know, coming off a championship and, you know, you're missing Nikita Kucherov, who won't be ready um, until the playoffs uh, at the earliest with, with the hip surgery that he underwent, uh, it, it's hard to sit here and think that the record that they have for this many games is actually tied for the best in franchise history. It's a little different, obviously, because of the, the schedule format, but you know, the way that they have consistently gone out and found ways to win games, uh, Andre Vasilevsky is a big part of that for sure. Uh, but you look at the depth on this team. The one thing that I was thinking about this when uh, you texted me this morning is if you look at, you know, the Lightning have led the league in scoring the last three years, and they're back. Uh, I think they're still leading the league in, in scoring this year. Yes. And I think that's a testament to where they are because you haven't had Nikita Kucherov, especially on the power play. And yet, they don't have any top 10 goal scores like they're they're the leading they're leading the league in goals and they don't have any top 10 goal scores especially when you compare it to what's going on up there in the canadian division with you know what's going on offensively up there uh so it's it's the depth and the consistency and going out and in, in, on some nights like they're in the middle of a, a really rough stretch they had five games in seven days last night was seven and eleven they'll play carolina tomorrow it'll be eight games in 13 days with two sets of back-to-backs in there I can't imagine what that's like. Uh, certainly probably not as difficult as going through the bubble like they did last year uh, because at least they get to see their family and all that other. But there's just, it's just a, it's a grind. It's a, it's a, it's a grind like un, unlike any other season. And for them to still be as consistent as they are to continue to find ways to win games is just a testament to the type of team they have. Chatting with Eric Erlinson, uh, Eric underscore Erlinson on Twitter, Lightning Insider, as the Tampa Bay Lightning lead the Central Division. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Uh, just a, another testament to where this team has been and is right now. They won the championship without Steven Stamkos, primarily. Yeah. And he leads them in goals right now. So you didn't have that then, and he sort of stepped in where Kucherov might uh, not be available or is not available. Yeah, it, it, again, everything that, that Steven Stamkos went through, I mean, it was, look, it was two minutes and 47 seconds of glorious hockey that he got in on the bubble, right? Like game six of the, or game, uh, game four of, um, sorry, game three of the Stanley Cup final. I'll get my game straight here. Uh, you know, but scoring the goal the way that he did and, you know, what that meant to the team and, and everything else. And for him to come back off of, uh, basically he had to undergo another surgery a week after they came back from the bubble, to kind of get ready for this season. And, you know, he's taken a lot of uh, responsibility on his shoulders, not only just being the captain, but, you know, for the type of player that he wants to be. You know, he's now a 57% face-off guy, which, you know, five, six years ago, he was in the mid-40s uh, at best. So, he's, you know, he's worked on that aspect of his game. He's a guy that's out there that can kill penalties now, something he didn't do a whole lot earlier in his career. And, you know, the offensive production is going to be there, uh, that – one-timer on the power play is still uh, one of the best weapons in the NHL over there at that left circle. Um, but he just he wants to be a guy that's counted on, and he knows the injuries have, 
have taken its toll on his body. So he's found other ways to, to make sure that he's on the ice uh, on a nightly basis and competing and, and putting together the type of year that he's had. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's just who he is. He wants to win. And having, you know, like knowing Stephen the kind of the way I do, as, as close as you can from a media member, like I, I, know, I know how much that short stint he was able to get into a game last year meant to him because if he couldn't get into a game, and they won the cup, there would have been an empty feeling for him. And there's still a little bit there. He wants to be a big contributor to a team that wins a title, and I think that's what's driving him this year, and it's kind of pulling the team along with it. One of the interesting parts about this season has been watching how different coaches handle the pandemic and uh, how they practice during a jam-packed season, whether they don't practice and uh, and you you have one of the more cerebral coaches in, in in the league that that you cover on a daily basis in John Cooper. Tell me about the six hour practice and and what you posted this week. Yeah, so that line actually came from Derek Lalonde, um, who's one of the assistant coaches. When we had a chance to talk to him the other day, basically because of the schedule I just mentioned that they're under, they haven't had a full team practice in three weeks. Um, you know, they were on the road in Detroit uh, at the beginning of March was the last time they actually had a full squad practice. And they actually don't even have one scheduled until this coming Monday. So basically what he was saying is that uh, after every game, they talk about certain areas that are slipping in their game. And you know how coaches want to use practice to address those areas they see that might need to, you know, plug the hole a little bit. But they haven't any practice time to do it. So they've had to rely on uh, video and, um, you know, meetings and those kind of things. So basically what Derek was saying, if we, had that, if we had a full practice with everything we want to work on, it would be a six-hour practice. Uh, so he was kind of being a little facetious there. Obviously, you can't have six-hour practices in the NHL. But he was just kind of letting it know, and that's how long it's been since they've had a practice because they, it's rest is a weapon. You know, they've had – the Lightning's had five of their games rescheduled because of situations with other teams. Dallas had the COVID protocols uh, in training camp. Carolina had uh, protocols a couple weeks after that. They lost two games in Dallas because of the weather situation and the power situation in the state of Texas. So they've had to have a bunch of their games moved around, and that's condensed things up even more so for them, and that's why they're in the middle of the stretch. So they've used it to their advantage in just terms of giving the players enough time to rest and then relying on them to fix the game themselves through video and stuff. But we'll see how intense that practice is on Monday because I'm sure it's going to be a little intense. Uh, what about uh, Nikita Kucherov? We know that he's been out on the ice at times, which kind of caught a few of us by surprise uh, yeah. because he's not scheduled to be back until at the end of the season or in the, or in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So where where is he? Uh, basically, the skating that he's doing is just rehab skating, right? Like he hasn't participated in a full morning skate with them. He was out there kind of skating the first time. That's uh, the first time we saw him on the ice. The surgery that he's coming back from is the same surgery that Braden Point had two summers ago. And Braden Point had his surgery uh, early May, and he was back on the ice by August, but he wasn't cleared to return to play until October. So the timeline is four to five months. That hasn't changed. It hasn't changed with Nikita Kucherov. Um, there's still, it's, it's all rehab. So uh, he's, he's basically right in line with where the recovery is. Uh, because obviously if he was ready earlier, that would create a, a major salary cap issue for Tampa Bay, which already had to deal with that last night. They had to address 17 players in order to trigger that emergency recall exemption clause in the CBA uh, because they don't have any cap space. So if Nikita Kucherov were to come back, they would really have a serious cap issue. And I think that's what a lot of people were kind of thinking maybe there was something nefarious 
going on with the potential of him coming back, but he's still not. I mean, the, the four-month timeline for his recovery is still at the very earliest is late April. And again, when, when Braden Point had the same surgery, his was about five months when he became back. Now, Coop loves making different. John Cooper, the coach at the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, loves making uh, little changes, whether he goes 13 uh, and 5, doesn't do that very often, or, uh, or 11 and 7. But what did he go with with 17 skaters last night? Uh, it was a cap issue because they're, they, Ronnie McDonough is out of the lineup. He missed the second game last night. Eric Chernak took a puck off the inside of his knee in Tuesday's game against Dallas. So they were missing two of their top four defensemen. And because of that, it's not long-term injury, so they're still on the active roster. Um, you know, you had to activate two players off of the taxi squad, and Luke Shen and Andreas Borgman. They didn't have enough cap space to call up a forward. So in order to get that salary cap exemption for a player, the CBA says you have to play short for one game. So that was the game that they had to do it. We'll see if uh, who comes back in the lineup, but they should be able to, because of that emergency exemption, if, if Chernak and McDonough are unavailable, then they would have the opportunity to dress a full lineup again. But uh, it's funny, right? Because they do play seven and eleven quite a bit. Yeah. So going six and eleven probably didn't phase them all that much because they're used to playing with eleven forwards a lot. I fully expected, just for the sake of making it different, that uh, that Cooper would have went with uh, twelve forwards and five D. Just, just, just to keep <laughs> us on our toes uh, in the in the grand scheme of things, uh, which he's good at. Uh, Eric, uh, you're you're awesome. I love uh, catching up with you. We don't do it enough, and uh, bringing us this Tampa Bay perspective. Hey, who's the best competition? Top competition? Who gives you the most trouble uh, when you look at Tampa Bay versus uh, the pesky Carolina Hurricanes? Florida's had a great season. Chicago's been a surprise. Uh, uh, of those those four teams or three teams in a playoff spot, it's Carolina. You know, you look at uh, Sebastian Ajo and Andre Sveshnikov, uh, Martin Nakes. They they've got some great chemistry, some really good young offensive players there. Their back end is so strong with Slavin and Dougie Hamilton and and the group that they have there and the style that they play. You know, it's it's Rod Brindamore hockey. It's, it's up tempo. It's in your face. They challenge and and really pursue the puck. Uh, you know, fast. Like, they, they just t- take away all sort of time uh, and space, and it's something that Tampa Bay struggled with uh, the first couple of meetings against Carolina. In fact, the lighting had been shut out twice this year. Both times it's been by Carolina. So, uh, to me, that's the biggest, uh, uh, stiffest competition that they have, which should make tomorrow night's game between these two teams uh, pretty fun to watch because uh, Tampa Bay has that three-point lead on Carolina right now. Uh, I think there's a prize in the Central if you finish first because you avoid Carolina or Florida uh, yeah. in the first round, and then you get a Columbus or you get a Chicago or you know if Dallas can kind of find a way to put some things together. Uh, not as strong a teams as Carolina or Florida are. Uh, early evening there. Uh, what's happening and what's life like in Tampa Bay? Uh, it's Tampa Bay, Darren. Come on, right? Sorry, Tampa Bucks Bay. Right, Super right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know the Bucks just brought their entire starting twenty-two back after signing Leonard Fournette today. It's something that's never been done in the cap issue. It's a great time to be a Tampa sports fan. The Rays are defending American League champions. Uh, you know, got the game six against the Dodgers there. Uh, the Lightning are off to a great start again. Here they are sitting atop of the NHL standings halfway through the NHL season. Uh, it's a great time to be a Tampa Bay sports fan. How are my Raptors? Uh, they did not get the magic of the Tampa area, and that's no pun with you the other selfish NBA people in the state over there. Uh, it has not rubbed off on the Raptors. They're having a, a tough time. I think they had lost seven or eight straight yeah. uh, in the last week or so. So whatever magic in, in Tampa Bay is not rubbed off on the Raptors, even playing at Amelie Arena. So 
Sorry to say we haven't taken as good a care as the Raptors as I'm sure people would have liked. Uh, I'm just glad they didn't trade uh, Kyle Lowry. Uh, Eric Erlinson, <laughs> Eric underscore Erlinson, Lightning Insider. Uh, appreciate your time, and we won't make uh, make it as long of a gap next time we catch up with you. Always available, Darren. You got my number, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Eric Erlinson, hey. he's one of the great ones. Uh, covers the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, both uh, for the newspaper and now uh, on his own, and has carved out a great niche in that. And we uh, we appreciate his time and his expertise to bring us uh, up to date with what's happening inside and outside the West Division. How about that? Tampa Bay trying to fend off Carolina, Florida, and Chicago for the division lead. Didn't see that happening. When we continue, we'll get back to the VGK front. And what do the Colorado Avalanche think of last night's result? We'll tackle that angle, plus good news of the day. And our one-timers deal with a significant trade in the National Hockey League. And it comes on the heels of a major announcement and decision yesterday by policy of a national government. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. It's time for the good news of the day on the VGK Insider Show. Thanks to Silver State Schools Credit Union for bringing us our good news of the day every day during our number one of the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Today we have some good news for the Buffalo Sabres. And before everybody gets uh, too far ahead of things, no, they haven't won. Uh, But they do have some positive vibes coming around their team because head coach, interim head coach, Don Granato and assistant coach Matt Ellis have cleared NHL COVID-19 protocol and will rejoin the Sabres when they visit the Boston Bruins tomorrow afternoon. Granato and Ellis were not available for the loss against the Pittsburgh Penguins on Thursday after missing uh, after entering protocol earlier in the day. And that forced general manager Kevin Adams to step behind the bench. And they subsequently lost the franchise's 16th consecutive game, which is a record in the shootout era. But they've got the the interim head coach back again, which will mean how about this one? They will have a, even though it's, well, it's three different head coaches in a five-game span, but it's kind of like five different coaches over that span because they're one in, one out, and now he's back in. And it's a it's a little bit unsettling uh, around the Buffalo Sabres. So we thought we'd, we'd just slide that one into you, that the 6-22-4 Buffalo Sabres will have their uh, good, consistent, bench boss and voice uh, back behind the bench. They, they basically have the exact opposite record, Chris Chapman, as the Golden Knights. Yeah, six wins on the season. That's uh, that that's pretty bad. I mean, I, I know we joked about Ottawa not hitting double digits. They clearly have done it at this point. Is it as far stretched to say the Sabres won't win double-digit games? I think they win double digits, but the back half of the season when you when you know some teams are out and uh, you've, you've got to, an opportunity to, to play at more even playing field. I, I just think teams are going to be off or subconsciously take the night off that they'll they'll win. They only have to win four more games. Surely they'll win four more games with games <laughs> you, to go. You, you would hope so, but uh, hope so, yeah. nothing's a f- – I mean, you never would have thought they would have lost 15 games in a row either. 16. Oh, I'm trying to help them. 16. I'm trying to help them. Give them 16. give them a hand. You know what's uh, crazy? If if not for the New Jersey Devils, they probably wouldn't even what, are, what I think they've beaten the Devils three times. Three times, yep. So if not for New Jersey, who went through their own COVID issues, but 
Not for the Devils, the Sabres would only have three wins. Uh, by the way, this uh, their record has nothing to do with COVID. It's just that no, they they're just a bad team. Underperformed. So they're 0-4 since they parted ways with head coach Ralph Kruger. Uh, I think there should be something in professional sports where if you if you suck after you fire a coach, you should be allowed to loop back and bring that coach back. Yeah, I thought there was supposed to be some kind of, and I know I know some gamblers who will play it, where the team fires their coach, especially in the NHL and the NBA, and the team will go on a little bit of a win streak, and they'll play them because, you know, the change of culture. Yeah, you get the, the bump. The, yeah, you get a bump, and clearly not the case with the Sabres. Glenn, I don't gamble because I probably would have lost some money on the Sabres had I uh, gone with that philosophy. But uh, I understand what you're saying. Like, Montreal, like, do you get a little bit of a bump? Uh, we watched... Uh, well, I think uh, the Bruins did it when they fired Julian, right? A couple yeah, of years ago. They won Cal- a bunch in a row. Oh, yeah. Calgary Flames. Uh, were you looking for a bit of a bump under Darrell Like Those are those are ones where you, you can see it turning around and if, you, if things fall together. I didn't see necessarily a, a scenario where Buffalo was going to go on a three-game out of five-game tear which would be a tear. Well, on the bright side for the Sabres, at least they have the Bills. Yep, yep. Uh, I agree with that. And uh, football season in Buffalo can't come soon enough. That's the good news of the day. The Buffalo Sabres getting their coaches back tomorrow afternoon. That's uh, good news of the day brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union on uh, prioritizing people over profit. And we thank you, Silver State Schools Credit Union, for their continued support of the good news of the day on the VGK Insider Show. When we continue, we will bring you the Colorado angle off of last night's 5-1 win over the Vegas Golden Knights and whether or not they feel really good about themselves. It's Fox Sports Las Vegas. Vegas takes over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marchessault fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marchessault. 4-2 Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hour number two of the VGK Insider Show. Millard solo today. Ryan Wallace on assignment. Chris Chapman back in the Fox Sports Las Vegas studio. Recapping last night's 5-1 Colorado win over the Golden Knights in which the Avalanche and the Golden Knights are left tied atop the West Division. First place is shared for the first time in a while. We spent a lot of time in hour number one looking at the Golden Knights angle. Let's slide over to the Avalanche side of things. Where do they sit right now? And uh, to talk more about that, let's bring in our good friend, Adrian Dater, from Colorado Hockey Now, coloradohockeynow.com. Uh, Dater, uh, where where were you on the surprise scale at the lopsidedness of last night's result? You know what? I mean, normally I would say pretty surprised, but the way the Avalanche have been playing right now, uh, not all that surprised. I mean, uh, did I expect a 5-1 game? No, but... Uh, They've been beating a lot of teams pretty badly lately. Um, Minnesota had a head of steam coming in here last week. Uh, you know, the wild or the, you know, surprise uh, dark horse favorite to win the division. The Avalanche, I think, outscored them uh, 11 to 1 in two games. Um, so, uh, you know, just one game, though. I wouldn't panic if I was a Knights fan, but, uh, 
you know, Colorado, let's face it, they've got, I think they've got a little more pure uh, elite talent on the team than Vegas does. Uh, it's just a question of, you know, can Vegas play their game, uh, impose their will physically over this Colorado team. It's not, it's not as easy as it was last year, I don't think. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is a hot team. That said, uh, Vegas is a very good team, too. It's going to be a fun game tomorrow. Adrian Dater chatting with us as the Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche complete their two-game series tomorrow afternoon at Ball Arena. It's a noon start, uh, Las Vegas time, uh, Pacific time, uh, for us. So we'll have the pregame show at 11 a.m. on Fox Sports uh, Las Vegas. Uh, it's not the first time that, that Colorado has laid a few goals on the, on the Golden Knights going back a couple of years. Uh, things have become a little bit uh, more competitive this season, uh, that was kind of going going back to old school. I know uh, it's uh, it, it's a good it's a good matchup. I mean, yeah, Vegas is bigger. I mean, let's face it; they're bigger, stronger, physically probably. Uh, Colorado's uh, it's all a bunch of speedsters, but they're not a soft. You know, they're not a uh, you know they're not a dainty team. They're uh, they come at you hard. Uh, it's fun to watch. I love the offensive. Uh, game that they play now. I mean, it does remind me of the old days here. Uh, it's been a long time since you can say the Avalanche are really, really fun to watch. And uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's a it's a darn good team. Um, better hope their starting goalie doesn't go down though, because uh, <laughs> they've got some problems with backup, unlike Vegas. So, what are they going to do with that? With a couple of weeks now out from the NHL trade deadline, James Reimer, uh, I don't know whether he is available or whether it's Nedeljkovic or uh, Peter Mrazek, but Carolina's got three goaltenders. Uh, Devin Dubnik yep. is uh, as an expiring contract with the with the uh, San Jose Sharks. Uh, yep. We always hear Arizona uh, has goaltenders that they're looking at uh, at moving or being willing to move. Uh, or or does Colorado even go down that path? You know, Colorado has to make a move. Um, you know, it's really weird. I mean, they got Jonas Johansson a few days ago from Buffalo, mm-hmm. and literally I haven't talked to one hockey person that I know and respect and, and, you know, trust their opinion to say one good thing about him. Uh, you know, I hate to dump on the kid or, you know, but, uh, you know, it's just, you know, he was brutal in Buffalo and he was brutal in the first game of the Avs. Uh, you know, only got charged with five goals in a loss Arizona, but, you know, he let in seven total, including three for three in the shootout. Um, they've got to make a move. I, you know, it's, it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's a beggar's market though. I mean, they, they don't, who's available James Reimer really, is he, you know, is he going to be any, you know, the thing is they don't need a, they don't need a Vesna winner as their backup. They just need no. a guy who can stop the puck, you know, maybe 90, 95, 905% of the time. You probably have a really good record here. Uh, the problem with the Avalanche is they've had two backup goalies this year. I think the combined save percentage is like eight eight forty five. So, um, you know, it's a real issue here. Tomo uh, Francouz, their backup, you know, one A goalie, one B goalie, if you will, uh, coming into this season. I think he, you know, he must have tore up something in his lower body uh, because he, they say he's out long term still. He's been out all year. Um, unless Joe knows that he's coming back soon, uh, that's not what the coach says, then, then he's got to make another deal. Joe Hanson's just not going to cut it. I mean, 
you know, you want to go into the playoffs with, with Jonas Johansson? You know, this thing is, too, Colorado, Darren, two of the last three years they've had to finish up their playoffs in critical games with a no-name goalie who hadn't played all year. Last year was Michael Hutchinson. In the bubble, um, remember that, yeah. Brantos and Grubauer both got hurt. Uh, and uh, three years ago it was Andrew Hammond who came in uh, because Varlamov got hurt at the end of the year and then Jonathan Bernier went down uh, earlier uh, in the uh, series of Nashville. The Hamburger actually won one game in Nashville. It made about 80 saves. It was a good game, but uh, he got smoked in game six. The point is, here, here the Avalanche is going maybe one more time into this potentially really fatal uh, scenario where they've got to rely on a no-name like to, uh, to to keep going. They don't need a Desmond winner, I don't think, to, 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 to do well in the playoffs. But, you know, if, if Grubauer goes down, which he has before, uh, then, you know, they're screwed. Adrian Dater chatting with us from Colorado Hockey Now, coloradohockeynow.com, uh, talking about the Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche series that will wrap up tomorrow. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Uh, do, do you think the players are looking around going, when, when are we going to get a goalie? I wouldn't. Oh, I wouldn't blame sure. them if they are. Oh sure, you know they'll never ever say that publicly, but of course they are. I mean, you know that as well as I do. So, you know when they when you, when when a team has no confidence in a goalie, I mean it's just it's nothing you can do. You know they, they can you can try and outscore teams seven to six, but it's hard. Um, Colorado has really not played one good game this year with their backups they've had uh, Hunter Miska and now Johansson. Jojo, we'll call him. Jojo, that's what um, I call him too. Yeah, that's what I call him now. Uh, <laughs> you know, so listen, um, it's a tough position. Um, guys get hot, guys get hold. The guy got drafted in the third round, Johansson in Buffalo. Um, that's looking like a really bad pick, but who knows? I mean, he's only 25. You know, the goalies are so weird. Who would have ever thought Tim Thomas would do what he did in 2011? True. With Bruin? Uh, you know, I mean, so. Just never know. He's certainly big enough. I mean, he could just, you know, he got hit a few times just with shots in Arizona just for being so big. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I'll tell you what. Now, listen. If Grubauer is healthy, then this is a really tough. <laughs> they're going to be a Stanley Cup favorite. You know. But how much do you but, play uh, him? Like he's he's playing every. Well, he has twenty of their twenty-one wins for one. Yep. And number two, how much can you actually play him? Because we we have watched that in Vegas, in when Leonard went down, and they had to ride Mark Andre Fleury, who was fantastic. But everybody knew you just couldn't keep up that pace. Yep. No, you, you, well, this may be. This may be one year where you can maybe override, you know, run your goalie a little bit harder. I mean, the 56 games are, um, of course, everything's more compact, but, you know, Grubauer even said today that he feels better than he does in a normal year because, uh, you know, the travel is so much easier. You know, they're, they're not getting on airplanes every, every night. Uh, and Colorado's one of the teams that has the most miles in the league every year to fly. So, um, you know, it's tough, uh, but these, these, the players just love this three or four days in each city thing. And you know, it's really, I mean, everybody really wants that to keep going. I don't think, I don't want, I don't want to see division only hockey going forward, but I want to see the other team in the league too. But uh, I do think that, uh, I don't think you're ever going to see the Avalanche in Vegas, um, well, if they're in the same division. Um, aren't they supposed to? 
No, they're, no, they're not. Never mind. I don't like to go back to the Central. I forgot. Uh, well, anyway, I was going to say, you probably never see the Avs in Vegas play, you know, anything but a two-game series ever again yeah. when they're facing each other because I think it's so convenient. The players love this kind of uh, travel. Players um, do love it. Especially, especially when they have to play a team in their own division, you know. You know. Yeah, and you can get out and walk around. Like when that starts to open up, sure. it'll be great and be able yeah. to do some things. Uh, what was the uh, what was the Avalanche uh, response after the game last night? What was uh, what was their reaction to the win? Uh, a bit of a statement game, uh, a, a game in which uh, they were able to assert themselves. Uh, not happy with a couple of plays uh, with the with the Golden Knights uh, physically and Keegan Colasar. What was uh, what was the the assessment? You know what? I'm not. I'm not normally a conspiracy theorist. Um, yeah, <laughs> I believe Oswald acted alone. Um, but uh, okay. Jared, I think Jared Bednar was a little calculating after the game last night because he because he said that it was a bad performance by the Avs. Basically, he said they had no energy. He said it was one of their more low energy games of the year. Um, he said they were sloppy. He didn't like the game. Uh, he liked the second period. He said, but he really didn't like much else. So. Uh, I think that's a new tack for Bednar that he wants to do. I think he wants to uh, adopt it. And I think he wants his whole players to adopt this too. That, yeah, 5 1. We're not satisfied with that. You know, we're, the old Avalanche best way is always, you know, heap praise on themselves when they play a good game and, oh boy, we're looking good. I think Jared Bednar wants to get these guys uh, never satisfied and uh, looking at that game with contempt. If he can, you know, well, it, um, yeah, I've only seen old, old had that attitude a little bit. Uh, so I don't know. That's, but that's what Bender said. He wasn't all that thrilled. Well, they've been going so good too, right? That, <laughs> that the coach almost has to do something or else yeah. you're, 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 I mean, you're yeah. not doing anything. Uh, he's, you know, we're, you know, it's a luxury to have, but yeah, he's nitpicking little things now that, you know, normally he would have said, God almighty, what a win. You know, five years ago, remember, he had the worst team in all, all right. almost of all time here, uh, 48 points. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, I think, you know, the Avalanche, I still need to be have it proven to me, you know. I mean, everybody's, everybody kind of raved about him last year for a while, and, uh, you know, the injuries hit again, and they got beat by Dallas in the second round, which, I, you know, I, can't, I really thought the Avalanche were going to win that series. And uh, but they found a way to lose, so there's still uh, there's still some proving to do here. You know they they don't have that little bit extra swagger I think that Vegas has from just being in the Cup Finals three years ago um, and, and going to Western Finals last year. I think the Avalanche still have that little extra that they have a little bit of you know self doubt about, but they uh, you know they claim that they're, uh, they're you know a different team mentally. So we'll see. Adrian Dater is with us. Uh, one or two more minutes, uh, if you can. Uh, were, were they as good in your mind, uh, taking away what the coach had to say, uh, as good as a five-one win last night? You know, I thought uh, I think so. I mean, you know, again, the shots were, you know, Vegas only got what uh, 18, nineteen shots. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, that's what to me to me has been so impressive about the Avs that they're really playing good defense. Like the shots are fewest against the league and the most in the league for. Um, they uh, they're playing a very high brand of hockey. Uh, I uh, you know I like this uh, I like this team. They're 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 really they're really um, playing very very good hockey and uh, they've got some scary talent. But uh, 
Um, there's still a couple uh, potential soft underbellies here that, you know, we'll see if Vegas Golden Knights can exploit tomorrow. I think you got to be physical on the abs, hit them as much as you can. And, uh, um, and yeah, probably probably try to clog that neutral zone a little bit more because you saw some guys get ahead of steam last night. Once they get rolling in your zone, they're tough to stop. It's going to be fascinating to see, one, uh, whether or not Colorado can keep this thing going, and they are lights out, as good as I've seen them play uh, in a while, uh, and healthy. Uh, and number two, how the Golden Knights uh, respond, and that will be tomorrow yep. afternoon. Uh, you'll be back in the rink, uh, and we'll be leaning on you as we move forward here. Data, really appreciate your time, pal. Okay, Darren, I uh, can't wait to see the great people of uh, Las Vegas again next month. My first You and I... Uh, since T-Mobile Arena came open, so I'm looking forward to seeing it for the first time. You and I are going to have a little beverage. I'm just going to say that All right. right. Now. All, right. All right. I'll take it. Okay, <laughs> be, dude. Take be good, pal. Uh, Adrian Dater from ColoradoHockeyNow.com uh, uh, does a great job of covering the avalanche. Uh, time to bring in Chris Chapman, uh, who has been patient in uh, waiting for this opportunity to grade last night's game. And not that it's going to take uh, necessarily to be Scotty Bowman to assess the performance uh, by the by, the uh, Vegas Golden Knights last night, but uh, we, we should do it. Win or lose, there's always ratings, and hopefully a little booze. Uh, what uh, What do you have uh, well, for us from last night? Well, if we're if we're gonna rate it, I'm I'm gonna rate it a stick figure. I mean, it okay. was it was about as bad of a game as I've seen them play. The third period I thought was was a little bit better, but first period, you know, it's weird because Pat's ready scores 40 seconds into the game, and you're like, okay. Heard that, and, yeah. and then, and then, not too long later, Ryan Reeves, on almost what looked like a, a similar type of play, had an opportunity, and I don't know if he hit the post or if he just missed the net, but but no, he hit the post, hit the post, but uh, his doesn't go in. But if that goes in, it's two nothing, and the Golden Knights really didn't play all that well up to that point. And you're like, okay, well, they're feeling each other out. They they get to the end of the first period, and you're thinking. All right, they're in this game as long as as long as things don't go south in the second period. We know how well this team is in the third period. Little did I know how good Colorado was in the second period. And if you're going to pinpoint a period that the Golden Knights have played this season, that's been their their worst period. It's been the second period, and uh, they've been outplayed a couple times and recently in the second period. I think I mean clearly I remember the game against Minnesota not too long ago here, where they gave up four goals in the second period, but they they were in that game. It was. It just seemed like it was not going to be their night when Donskoy scores that goal because they played well on the kill. The problem was it came on the heels of another kill, and then Donskoy scores that goal, and then they're right back on the kill. We're not too long. Uh, uh, I thought a, a yeah, not, most, not great penalty. you got to get them more resolved than, than that. Like that. Yeah, but but I thought a bad penalty by Marsha, so I thought yep. you, you can't take one in the offensive zone, especially – Totally, a, a holding penalty or and whatever. Too they, many men on the ice call. Yeah, the too many. Well, that's 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 a bench penalty, right? But 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 that's a bad penalty. Bad penalty to take, especially against a team as good as Colorado. And yeah. what what kind of blows my mind about Colorado is how good of a team they are, yet their power play seems like it should like be. Vegas. Yeah, it seems like it should be so much higher because when their when their first line is is healthy and together, and they're playing the blue line, the, the, their top pairing. That's a that's a really really dangerous team. I mean, we got to see 
Uh, McCarr scored his goal went right around Nick Holden. I I, I think Holden got a stick. Did you on see the- him bolt his own? McCarr as soon as they got possession looked like they were going to get possession in the Colorado zone. Oh, he was he, gone. He bolted the zone. That never happens with the defenseman. No, and and I think something Mark Stone said last night was their defense. I think it was Stone who said it. Their defensemen don't like to 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 have to play deep. Right, like they they like nobody. To, first of all, nobody does. Well, but but this this is a team where I think it's very noticeable with them because you don't really hear a lot of guys saying things like that. And for Stone to allude to it, I, I think he's trying to send a message to his team. Hey, look, get physical. Yeah, get a yeah. four check. You know, it was funny. I was texting a me- uh, sending a message to my friend last night, and I, and I was telling him, I'm like, you know, talk delivered a big hit when Pacioretty got called. I think he got called for boarding. Um, I kind of feel like that's how you have to play against this team because well, they're they're so fast that you 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 have to play physical with them, and if they're going to beat you, they're going to beat you. A point but, there. A point there is I think in facing Colorado in in a one off or the, like a two game series uh, is very different than facing Colorado and how you would approach things in a seven game series. I think the the uh, goal for Vegas would be to to grind and pound. Uh, the as much as you can a uh, defensive core that's that's under six feet in a lot of cases. So that would be the the main uh, goal, and just wear them down. You can't do that in a two game series. No, no, you but get, but you get into a little bit more of a track meet, and and that's what kind of happened. But I want to ask you this phrase it this way, and and see how you react to this question. Do you think the Avalanche beat the Golden Knights last night, or did the Golden Knights have more of an uh, influence on the result than? The Avalanche did. I think it's a little bit of both because I, I, I've always been of the philosophy that if you're going to make mistakes, you leave the door open for the other team to take advantage of those mistakes. And and credits Colorado being as good as they are because I feel like maybe another team doesn't capitalize on the mistakes like, like the Avalanche did, but they're so good. And the way they're playing right now, I mean, it doesn't look like between them and, and Tampa, it doesn't look like either of them are ever going to lose a game, right? But um, it, it, it's... It's a combination of both because you 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 heard both Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone allude to it. Second period, the wheels really came off. You just can't do that. Three penalties in the first and Stone. I think like David first Shane ten said, ten minutes of the third, yeah, first ten minutes period. of the second period. Yeah. You just can't do that. And good teams are going to find ways to take advantage of it. I like I like the Golden Knights in a seven game series. I'm, I don't know if they would win that seven game series, but I don't think we'd see a lot of games like we did last night because. I feel like Vegas is a much smarter team than than they played last night. I don't, I don't foresee them having as many mistakes. But there's that old adage, good teams kind of force you into mistakes. And, and credit to Colorado again. They got Grubauer's playing great. I mean, he, he's having the best season of his career. Um, you know, but but I think, I think over the course of seven games, I feel like the, these are two pretty even teams. And I don't... I know Mark Stone wants to go back and watch and see what happens, but I don't take a whole lot of stock in what happened last night and say that would be the norm. I mean, I hope I, I, I hope I'm wrong on that, or I hope I'm right on that, and that that's not how a seven game series would be because we've seen these two teams play pretty even. Colorado has but been you're on, in a best of five situation. They've won three, and yeah. now you're you're in an eight game series. You'd like to be at least four four. But you know you can go in there and beat them because they've 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 done it. They did it the last time coming off the Tahoe game. They win the three nothing game in Colorado. Mark Andre Fleury has shut them out twice this season. It's just I feel like right now Colorado is in is in a groove 
and they look unbeatable. I know they 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 did lose the other night to Arizona, but still, I mean, they they've yeah. put up so many goals in this stretch. Hockey. I mean, and and, and Tomas Nosek talked about it today. He's like the, their bottom six because I think it was David Shane who asked him about their their bottom six skaters being on the ice for for four of the goals last yeah. night, and Nosek said, "Look." This isn't really like your normal bottom six. These guys are all really skilled, and we, but so 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 is Vegas. That's that's yeah. the part that when you hold Nathan McKinnon off the score sheet, you 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 can't lose a game five one. Yeah, I I I don't yeah I, I don't sorry know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like David Shane kind of talked about it a little bit too, and yeah, I mean they have so many other ways that they could beat you. Landis Gog, Rantanen. Uh, you know, their, their, their bottom six is good. We Kale McCarr, Sammy Gerrard's really good. I mean, they're, but I can give you a name that counters every one of those. I, I, on and the that's the thing. I, I feel like these are two pretty evenly matched teams. I think they're by far and away the two best teams in the West. I don't, I know Minnesota's crept into the conversation, but I feel like these two teams at the end of the day are better than Minnesota. The Golden Knights have seemed to have found their, their way around the St. Louis blues because it seemed for three years that St. Louis had their number. Things have kind of changed in, in that series. The Golden Knights are, are a better team than St. Louis. And, I mean, I, I'm not sure St. Louis is even the third best team in the division. So I feel like it's imperative, especially from the Golden Knights standpoint, to get that number one seed because I feel like you want to play St. Louis right now. Is tomorrow the most important game of the year? Yes. Yes, I, I think without a shadow. Because I feel psychologically, if these guys kick your butt again, regardless of how it's done, if you lose another game like you did last night, I think you start to question. Can and and I I don't know like if if guys are going to come out and say it, but there's always. I mean, you you play sports. I've played sports my whole life. When a team has your number, you start to wonder what do we have to do to beat these guys. And I know that Vegas has won a couple games this year, but if if you come out of this two game set and you just get your doors blown off in both games. I think you may start to wonder. I'm not even. It's not even about that. I want to see tomorrow more of a presence offensively, which was very much lacking last night. The ten shots through two periods can be attributed in some cases to the three penalties that they took in the front half of the second period. I get that, but uh, there just wasn't a presence uh, in being able to put pressure on Philip Grubauer. You finished with less than twenty shots. Uh, the result aside, what will tell me whether or not the Golden Knights got the message, the Golden Knights are involved in the game, is going to be whether they have a territorial edge or a territorial presence uh, in Ball Arena on the offensive side of the puck. Yeah, I think you, you want to see that pushback real early because we've seen this team have the pushback and after a bad game, and, and I think... But I don't want to see anybody go out there and and starting no. starting stuff and no no some, you, some you, days you can't do that no no some days there's there's a, a a place for that and and you want to see that you want to see a pushback a real a real strong uh, answer physically to 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 a team. Well, this is Colorado's so, not that team. But, not 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 right now. And, but some cases, like it can be against Colorado if if stuff happens. Like it, it doesn't matter team A, team B, team C, but. But tomorrow is more about the offensive side. You need to see 
some presence. And I'll be really curious to see if Pete DeBoer goes back to the lines that he used February 22nd uh, off the Tahoe game. And uh, with Alex Tuck moved up and, and Pacioretty moved around and they had Pacioretty on the second power play unit yesterday, uh, what he does tactically tomorrow uh, for or just let them go with the same and put it on the players. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing either. Well, and, and I like, you know, David mentioned it. Dylan Coughlin appeared to be the, the, the sixth guy t- tomorrow, or at least today he was. I like Dylan Coughlin in the lineup against a team like Colorado. Not so much for his defensive prowess, but because of what he can give you on the offensive side. Yeah, Nick Holden is not that guy. Nick Holden is a guy who he's a he's a true and true stay at home defenseman. And I feel like you need offense to beat this team. You're not going to beat this team with defense and and you you need to score goals against them. And Dylan Coglin, he had the one game, he hasn't scored a goal since, but you know it's there. The the the, the potential of him ripping one through, maybe deflecting off of somebody is there. Well, it's just the the act of Dean and, and uh, foot speed, and Coglin's got uh, got a bit more of that than Nick Holden. We're going to take a break. When we continue, one timers, some news and notes from around the National Hockey League, including the trading of a veteran player who is on the move again, and it's probably not going to surprise you. The team that uh, is selling right now is the VGK Insider Show in Fox Sports Las Vegas. Brought to the near wing. Big shot and he scores! It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the VGK Insider Show. A couple of weeks out from the National Hockey League's trade deadline. And there was news yesterday as the Canadian government announced that the 14-day quarantine period would be reduced to seven for NHLers going across the border. What does that mean? Well, when you're talking about the trade deadline, it makes it a lot more attractive if you're one of those North Division clubs trying to acquire a player from the United States. And it didn't take long for that to prove itself. As the Montreal Canadiens, who are clinging to the fourth playoff spot in the North Division, two points up on the Vancouver Canucks, immediately swung a deal, reaching out to the Buffalo Sabres and acquiring one Eric Stahl. Eric Stahl, the veteran, uh, on his last uh, year of a two-year contract, is going to Montreal. 36-year-old has 10 points. It's been disappointing. Remember, he was moved from Minnesota in a surprise deal from the uh, the Minnesota uh, Wild to the Buffalo Sabres when Buffalo looked like they were making a lot of great acquisitions. And, and it was a great acquisition. just didn't, didn't transpire. So Eric Stahl gives the Montreal Canadiens some size down the middle, and that's been a conversation topic for about 25 years in Montreal, and gives them some uh, some veteran uh, presence and a player that's still trying to win the Stanley Cup. I, I think it's a great deal for Montreal. Yeah. It, it's a fifth uh, round of draft pick is the compensation, a, a third and a fifth round draft pick in two, 2021. Yeah, and I guess those are two picks that Montreal had acquired earlier for another yeah. deal that they made, so not really uh, losing too much there. But they've, they've kind of been disappointing lately. They We talked about jolts. They kind of need a little bit of a jolt because they started the season out really well, and, well, they've kind of been caught by, by Vancouver. I mean, right there, it's going to be a dogfight now to the end, and... I think if they can get into the playoffs, they certainly are capable of doing some damage, but you got to get there. They're kind of where they should be. 
we, we knew that they were going to be uh, above, uh, separated themselves from the Ottawa category. And would they be able to challenge for a playoff spot? We weren't sure. They're two points up right now. So yeah, they're, but they're, they're almost exactly where we thought they would be at this stage. Now they are five behind third place Edmonton, but exactly, uh, exactly. Nobody, nobody was thinking that they were going to challenge for first place. I was. Well, <laughs> enough said. You know what, Fred. though, I'll, 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 I'll be, I'll be honest. I think Winnipeg is is the team to watch in that division right now. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who's. To, it's Edmonton, Toronto, and Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah. I think they're, Montreal they're, and Vancouver are a little bit behind them, and, and Calgary and Ottawa. I think well, you forget can it. Sell, sell me on all three of those teams. Carolina Hurricanes are one of the hottest teams in the National Hockey League right now, and they are just tearing it up inside that Central Division. We talked to Eric Erlinson a little earlier from the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, the Lightning Insider. And they, uh, he definitely admits that the Carolina Hurricanes have turned into being the biggest challenge uh, inside the division. Uh, they're 10-1-2 and in the last 13 games. And looking towards the trade deadline, uh, Don Waddell says they've got three goalies. James Reimers, the veteran. Peter Mrazek played four games to start this year, but then he broke his thumb his, on, uh, on his right hand where he holds the stick. So he's been out. Ow. And Alex Nedeljkovic has come up, uh, one of the best goaltenders in the American Hockey League, and has uh, really settled into uh, the National Hockey League form. He's 8-2-2. Two, and two. So they have three guys right now. And uh, while Don Waddell says, mm, don't, uh, I don't necessarily mind going into the playoffs with three goaltenders, and they've kind of done it by ham and egg in it, James Reimer and Peter Mrazek. One guy gets hot, he goes for a while. The other guy gets hot, he goes for a while. Uh, uh, the uh, the idea that you have a goaltender to to wheel and deal with kind of smells like Colorado, doesn't it? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Uh, speaking of them, were you a little surprised and no disciplinary action on Warren Fogle last night? Uh, no. Really? No. Do you, you want every play? Well, I thought I thought it, I thought that was dirty. The, the elbow to uh, Warinsky Didn't even get a fine. Yeah, I, 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 I saw that. I was like, wow. No. Uh, we do know that uh, that Samuel Moran has been fined for unsportsmanlike conduct. I didn't see the play, but uh, I'm, I'm curious. I'll, I'll have to tweet it out. Anytime you get fined for unsportsmanlike conduct. And and when, uh, when we were chatting earlier with David Shane, and he was talking about listening to Kelly Sutherland in the rink. Yeah. And were you not kind of cringing just a little bit after what happened this week with Tim Peel? Yeah, I'll tell you, I would be one of those guys who got suspended or fined for unsportsmanlike conduct. I I get very mouthy when I when I compete. I, I just don't think that you should limit it to just when you compete. Well, I mean, there, there's a time and place too. You're I a mean, bit of a mouthy guy. I am. Yeah, yeah. I, I I am a I am a total talker when I. It's like an alter ego for me. I, oh, yeah. I I trash talk oh big time and I and I'll let I'll let well I used to coach basketball let's just say I I got more than my fair share of technical fouls. You'd be annoying. I tee you up and toss you out of the gym so fast. <laughs> you know, uh, Tuka Rask out at least two games for the Boston Bruins because of an upper body injury. Uh, it's they've had to really really lean on Yaroslav Halak uh, a lot more than they intended to. They're more of a tandem, uh, and that I, I don't think would happen. You have to wonder whether or not they would acquire some depth. Dan Vladar was was good and uh, won his first game uh, earlier this month. But 
that's uh, that's another blow to the Boston Bruins who are having trouble getting a little bit of traction. Yeah, but I, I feel like, at least for now, they don't have to hit the panic button just yet because they do have a little bit of a cushion on the Rangers, plus they have three games in hand. But, boy, that division. Talk about a little bit of separation. The Islanders, Capitals, and Penguins are really separated themselves from, from Boston, New York, and Philadelphia. And it's going to be real interesting to see whether it's Boston, Philadelphia, or the Rangers who end up with that fourth spot, because I don't think those three are going to catch the three above them. Philadelphia's a mess. Oh. Can the Rangers just play them every night? What do you remember what I said? Were yes. you on the show? Yes, I remember. Well and, and I and and Wallace wanted to make wanted me to, to really specify. But I said we're gonna see a lot more blowouts in the second half of the season. And he wanted me to get a little more specific. So I said, we'll see one game a week where a team reaches at least seven goals. Well, the way Colorado's playing right now, I mean, they, they might be the team to do it every every week going down the stretch. But, yeah, Rangers and Flyers, not – well, how about the Mika Zibanejad? Six, what is he, the first player to have six you, – you, You're going to screw this up. Ah, okay, I'll, I'll let no, you do just, it then. No, no, just like, make sure your facts are straight. Go back and look at your facts because this has got you screwing it up all written all over it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Mika Zibanejad as the first player to have six straight points against the same team twice in consecutive games. I thought you were going hat tricks, natural hat tricks. Well, he, he did that too, but I, 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 I think it was maybe not six straight, but six points in consecutive <laughs> games. <laughs> Yes. Here, here it is. Okay. It's Mika Zibanejad makes history against the Rangers. He had three goals and three assists to lift the Flyers or the Rangers over the Flyers. He scored yeah, six goals yeah, yeah. and totaled 12 points in consecutive games against the Flyers. Yeah. yeah. He equaled his stats from the St. Patrick's Day game. First player to notch consecutive six-point games against yeah. the same opponent during an, a single NHL season. But you said six points consecutive six yeah points. yeah so it's yeah, two, so two consecutive games against the same opponent he's the first I know, player I don't, yeah i do all that i just was waiting for you to screw it up and i you didn't screw it up, up too bad no well that <laughs> is that the bar that we've got right now no i didn't no, screw it up too bad I, I had the gist of it the rangers scored eight on the flyers last night and the predators scored seven on the red wings like it's <laughs> we're gonna see we're gonna see this because teams are just not if the fatigue factor is going to play into it and teams are going to have to conserve energy or coaches are going to limit the bench and you're not going to be able to play for the comeback. Uh, one more before we go. Uh, did you see Pierre Dorian, the Ottawa Senators general manager, after his team lost in uh, in extra time against the Toronto Maple Leafs? Did you see him throw it across <laughs> the suite? No. Oh, yeah. So he had, a, he, had a, he had a cup of water and he just chucked the cup of water. Uh, after the loss, but but it lost its significance because the water all came out of the cup, so the cup didn't really go anywhere. Just oh. the water went flying. Did it? Did it splash on him? No, not oh, really. Okay. But it just you know you want to really throw something off the wall or oh something. yeah like, oh yeah, yeah been yeah, there yeah, yeah it didn't uh, it kind of lost its uh, its oomph uh, for Pierre. Dorian. You should see the stuff I throw around the studio every single day. Like what? Oh, I was just saying. There's actually there's nothing. There's like, no. You couldn't have just made something up. I I threw the mouse like once. Pen? The the computer mouse. Did at, you? Is at, it wireless? Yes, at the Muhammad Ali Sunny Liston poster we have on the wall. Oh. Yes. You like How'd that? that? Work up for the mouse. Mouse. 
Better than it did for Muhammad Ali. <laughs> uh, those are your one-timers for this Friday, March 15th. Coming up next, Catching Up with Chapman on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Plan accordingly. A bit of a weird one tomorrow. The Golden Knights and Colorado Avalanche wrap up their two-game set in Denver with a noon start Pacific time. So Ryan Wallace will be on the air for the pregame show at 11 a.m. tomorrow. Puck drops just afternoon, and then you get the rest of your day free. So it's cool. Whether you're bouncing around uh, around town doing some Saturday stuff, uh, make sure you take us uh, with you on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Uh, Darren Millard along with Chris Chapman as we catch up with Chapman. Yeah, cool part about tomorrow is you could watch the Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche, and then if you're one of the uh, select few, you can head over to the Orleans Arena and watch the Baby Knights take on uh, the Colorado Eagles. Silver Knights, which uh, they play the Colorado Eagles over on 1230 the game uh, at 630 is the pregame show tonight. And then tomorrow uh, night as well at Orleans Arena. And uh, so lots of, lots of hockey coming your way. What do you have for us tonight? Uh, well, today, March 26th, uh, would have been my father's 73rd birthday. Um, unfortunately, cancer uh, stole him from me about six years ago in September. And, uh, you know, just want to say happy birthday to my dad. I, I, I know he's watching down and he's very proud of me. And, uh, you know, I miss him every single day and I, and I wish he was here. But, uh, you know, very selfless man. He, uh, I was living in Asia when he got sick and he never told me how sick he was because he refused to make me stop living my life and uh, because of him. And, uh, you know, it's happy birthday, Dad. What did you uh, get from him? What was passed on to you? Uh, I got his his dry sense of humor. Okay. Um, definitely, definitely his sense of humor because my mom, nice woman, but not very funny. <laughs> my 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 father was 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 the funny. Chapman. Yes. Well, I'm just my mom's still here. I could get away with saying that. So, uh, no, I, I I got that. And my dad was was in the navy, so he had a lot of sense of adventure, and uh, he traveled around a lot. He loved to travel. Uh, as he got older, he liked to go to places where there was the beach. But in his younger years, he, he a lot like me, enjoyed going to just weird places. And uh, he always told me he wanted to go over Niagara Falls in a barrel, which family legend is something that apparently uh, his uncle did, which I don't believe. But supposedly— have been to Niagara Falls? I have never been. Yeah, you don't want to go over in a barrel. No. Uh, my, my son has been to Niagara Falls, and he, uh, he he thought it was really cool. They did the boat ride where they went underneath. But, um, yeah, Made of my, the mist. Made of the mist. Yeah, yeah. But, no, I, I've never been. My dad used to tell me, one day I'm going to go over the edge and say, I don't know about that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a long fall. I, I've heard. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's not the long fall that hurts you. I think it's the rocks at the bottom, right? Yeah, the sudden stop Eesh. and the rocks and the water pouring on you. Hey, uh, good job today. Lots of fun. What do you think happens tomorrow uh, the couple of seconds we have left? I think we get a big bounce-back effort. Um, I expect Mark Stone to play one of his best games of the season because he was not happy last night. And as we've seen Mark Stone in, in his tenure with the Golden Knights, not happy tends to equal very good Mark Stone the following night. You won't like me when I'm angry. The Hulk said that. Uh, thanks to Eric Erlinson. Thanks to David Shane. Thanks to Adrian Dater. Thanks to Chris Chapman. And thanks to you uh, for listening. Again, we're on the air at pregame show at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning with Ryan Wallace.